And it's important when we look back over history that a lot of the early work was done in the early 90s around zinc phosphide and the rate of zinc 25 and farming. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Farms Advice podcast and also the GPA series where we talk to the Southern Director, Andrew Wiedemann, and also Steve Henry from CIRO, or C-S-I-R-O, however you want to pronounce it. We've got a great episode for you today and a bit of a double dose from ZP25 to ZP50. If you haven't heard of that, tune in now for grain producers right across Australia looking to improve their productivity and sustainability into next year. And it also saddens me to tell you that this is the very last episode but not the least episode on the Farms Advice schedule for 2022. We've had a bit of a stellar run this year, ups and downs, as we've seen out in the media. And also, I hope that Farms Advice podcast has kept pretty consistent there for you to improve what you do on your farm. I'm not the expertise. That's why I get the expertise in the room with Andrew Wiedemann and also Steve Henry. So let's get into the final episode for 2022. Thank you for joining along. Too easy. Well, let's go. Welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. We've got a special episode today with Grain Producers Australia, GPA, talking everything that was a pretty hot topic last year. And we've got Andrew Wiedemann and also Steve Henry from CSIRO, C-S-I-R-O. Um, thank you for joining us for this important conversation. It's a pleasure, Jack. Yeah, pleasure, Jack. And uh, yeah, good morning or afternoon, listeners. Absolutely. So let's get stuck into it. What are we actually going to be talking about today? What's important to the grain producers right across Australia that we probably saw the peaks of yep. last year? Yeah, well, look, uh, I might kick it off and then Steve, obviously, um, he's the key person here in terms of the science and the process behind the project that uh, was undertaken. But the history behind this started with the National Mouse Management Working Group, which Grain Producers Australia established back in 2010-11 after a series of really high mouse-numbered years. Uh, we established that group and then it's evolved now, uh, being led now by CSIRO. Uh, in that program, CSIRO are the champions for this. They were given uh, funding through the Grains Research Development Corporation, uh, and that has sort of enabled all of this work to come forward. Uh, Steve himself, um, you know, he's been the absolute front face of this uh, process right from day dot, and uh, the information that he gleaned from working with growers and the information that came back through that group led to the science behind uh behind the uh, evolution of what we're calling Z50. Um, so I might pass over to Steve now as a bit of a precursor there, and then and then we'll come back into more detail. Really? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Andrew. And I guess you're absolutely right, but, but it's really important to acknowledge that this work came about because we were prepared to take the time to talk to farmers yeah. and, and more importantly, listen to farmers about the problems that they were facing and when we set out to do some research to, to solve some of the issues that the farmers were talking about, we went down a slightly different path. We thought that the issues with zinc phosphide might have been associated with the, the bait substrate, so the, the 
the substrate that the zinc phosphide was put on. And so if mice were living in a barley stubble, why would they possibly want to transition to eat wheat with zinc phosphide on it? So we went down the path of taking mice into the lab, finding foods that they like to eat, and then putting zinc phosphide on it and seeing if they would be prepared to eat it. So when we did that, that work was quite successful in, in one regard. Yes, we could find different bait substrates that mice liked, but when they ate the bait substrate with the zinc phosphide on it at what we thought was the appropriate mixing rate, we only killed half the number that we expected to kill. And that made us really start to ask some questions. We then went down the path of saying, well, wait a minute, have we been selecting for mice that are sensitive, that are less sensitive to zinc phosphide by putting out bait year after year after year and then only killing the mice that are sensitive the mice that are less sensitive go on to breed more less sensitive mice. And when we did these trials in the lab with mice that had been exposed to zinc phosphide, mice that had never been exposed and lab mice, we found that there was no difference between any of the groups. They were just half as sensitive as we thought they should have been. So that's how we got to this point of, of actually recommending the, the ZP50 bait, the bait that's got twice as much zinc phosphide on as the pre-existing bait. And, and really the result of the, the work that we did in the lab says that you actually need two milligrams of zinc phosphide on a grain of wheat to kill an average size mouse. And that's the mixing rate of 50 grams a kilogram. And it's really important that mice find that lethal dose on the first grain that they discover because if they get a sublethal dose, they stop taking the bait straight away. So that's the basis of the work that we've done um, that's led to the development and, and these emergency permits for the 50 gram uh, baits. And, and further to that, um, and just backing up again, what Steve's saying here in terms of his connection with growers, it was actually growers that themselves were finding uh, this out in the field themselves and, and the science has now proven that. Uh, and it's important when we look back over history that a lot of the early work was done in the early 90s around zinc phosphide and the rate of zinc 25 and, and farming practices and the way that we operate our businesses have changed significantly over the last 30 odd years. And uh, I think people have got to recognise we've now created habitat for more of these types of pests to be built up in. And then we've got to come up with solutions to try and make sure that we manage the environmental aspects as well of the farm, but also the environment around us in terms of using these kind of uh, baits and substrates uh, in, the, in our program of uh, trying to control and eradicate pests and pests like mice and, and diseases and other things that we obviously deal with with other things, Jack. And, and yeah. um and so, uh, look, 25 um, definitely works uh, still in most cases, but the reality is when we put this research work together with the way that we're farming and operating now and the amount of food that's out there, this is why people have been seeing this aversion to the bait uh, 25, and that's why Steve's work is so important to us now that we can actually go out and put out a stronger bait uh, and know that we're going to get a much better result for, for everybody's benefit and uh, that we're getting a, a much higher kill rate right from the start. And, and that's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what we might end up with is a scenario where we actually end up with less zinc phosphide in the system than we had when we were using the 25 gram bait because farmers will be able to spread it once 
get an effective yeah. knockdown and we won't be hearing those stories of, oh, I baited once, so it didn't seem to kill the mice, so then I baited again. But at that point, half of the mice are reverse and they're not taking the bait anyway. That didn't work so much. So I put it out a third time and all of a sudden the farmer's up, you know, three applications of bait, that's starting to get really expensive. And, and that sort of scenario is not uncommon. So, so some of the critical factors, as Andrew says, around keeping the bait effective is to try and reduce the amount of background food that's in paddocks before you bait. So holding off until you're sowing the crop, re ensuring that you still retain stubbles. Yeah. But if you're sowing with knives, you, you get a bit of soil throw as you sow. And then that covers up a lot of the residual food. And then if you're spreading bait out the back of the cedar, then it's going out still into the stubble matrix. So it's quite difficult for non-target animals to find, but mice, when they bust out of their burrows after the seed has been through, the bait's the first thing they'll find. Really important to stay on the prescribed um, rate of application, which is one kilogram per hectare. That equates to three grains per square meter. Stick with the mixing rate. You don't need more than that if every grain is a lethal dose. Yeah, and, and look, and uh, now with the uh, the way that we're progressing the program, of course, Jack uh, and the registrations, when the National Mouse Management Group heard of this work that was originally done almost two years ago now, I suppose, Steve, uh, we applied straight away as Grain Producers Australia. We're trying to lead the industry forward and uh, we applied for a, a, a permit, an emergency permit to operate to allow farmers to be able to use and buy the product. And that also allowed for the research work to continue as well. So it was twofold. Now yep. that we're past the huge plague we saw in New South Wales, we're probably on the cusp of another development, I would suggest, here on the East Coast in my own state of Victoria and probably South Australia this, this coming season because of the high rainfall, high, uh, high loads of grain, et cetera, out there. So we've got... Um, you know, things that we've got to deal with, I suppose. And, and that's uh, that's all part of it. So so that's then led to us applying and working with the Australian Pesticide Veterinary Medicine Association, the APVMAA, to uh, bring forward a training program, which has twofold uh, process. One, for growers to get access to the product, but also, uh, as I've been calling it, probably the largest research trial uh, across Australia where mice are prevalent, recording the information and feeding that back in so that when we look at getting full registration of the product, we will have some environmental uh, information that we don't currently have. And so farmers themselves are going to be a part of helping us and help themselves in the longer term by taking up the training. They won't be able to buy the bait unless they've done the training and then uh, take that forward to their reseller to purchase the bait and then, uh, and then of course, uh, go and spread it and then report back any of the findings that we're asking in that training program as well. Absolutely. So for the training, what's involved within the training prior to getting access to the product? Yeah, so look, there's some introductory stuff from myself and uh, Steve uh, has uh, got a, a five minute video there that was done through the GRDC uh, explaining about mice, uh, what to look for in terms of burrows, activity, etc. And then it'll be a series of questions which will be refer referencing the label. Uh, the label itself that's on the actual container that they're buying. Uh, and then there'll be a series of questions around what they're seeing and also their preferred supplier and bait manufacturer that they're purchasing and, and the kilograms yeah. that they're using. 
because we need to understand that you know this is a a product um, zinc phosphide. It's a S7 chemical and it needs to be managed properly and recorded properly. So, so they're all parts of it. It'd be pretty straightforward. We've had growers already go through it themselves um, in the in the background of the training program within Grain Producers Australia with our team at GPA, uh, looking at how to use that uh, training platform. And we're trying to make it as user-friendly as possible. Um, we know there'll be some hiccups. There always is in these sort of things, Jack, but we just appreciate that people are going to work with us. And as I said, this is going to be the largest probably undertaken trial work right across Australia where mice are going to be prevalent in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And no one else can see, but Steve was nodding a bit <laughs> ominously before about the um, about the plague maybe coming back and it's a poss high possibility of it. Whereabouts are we? in this because on our farm the other day not in a cropping paddock but i just saw a bit of a flurry of mice um go around and i actually hadn't seen that since the peak of last year um when we did have the plague where are we whereabouts is home for you jack central west new south wales central west okay cool oh, right. so yeah, well, uh yeah good. okay that's uh, that's really interesting so you, you it's good that you're not underwater um in terms of what we're seeing We've seen through central New South Wales recently, we've had teams of people um, trapping mice around Trangy and um, Canamble, yeah. and, and we've been marking individuals. And, and we certainly haven't killed those founder animals, the big adult animals. Uh, they're their trap event after trap event after trap event. Yeah but we haven't seen any recruitment into the population. One of our concerns at the moment is there's just simply so much vegetation in the system. Farmers haven't been able to get on their country. There's lots of food around. It's gonna be really difficult to see what's going on in those paddocks um, until you know, crops are harvested or until we get um, some significant grazing pressure on those paddocks. If you move south into Victoria uh, and South Australia, you know, what Andrew was saying is, is absolutely right. Um, this year's smelling a whole lot like 2010, 2011 yeah, it is. Um, and 2016 as well. Um, and, and one of the things that we use when we're doing mathematical models to predict mouse outbreaks is we use in-crop rainfall. Uh, yeah. as a, and essentially, that's a surrogate for food for mice, you know, you get good in-crop rainfall, you get good crop, lots of food, uh, conditions are favourable for mice. Uh, and certainly this year is one out of the bag in terms of in-crop rainfall. And, and as we're hearing more and more about lodged crops, um, uh, hail damage, you know, one case I heard that, you know, canola had been windrowed and a hailstorm marched on through and they had nearly 100% loss. Um, so there's, the, and there's a lot of those stories out there. That means there's a lot of food in the system for mice and, and we really are quite concerned what might be happening as the autumn develops. Uh, because, you know, nice mild summer, plenty of moisture. There's nothing there that's going to stop mice breeding. Yeah, absolutely. And applying it for when are we needing to apply this? Just after seeding time coming into our winter crop for next year? So what's really important is that we manage our stubbles as effectively as we possibly can to reduce that residual food that's around. And it's real. And I, I realise it's really hard. Lots of people don't have sheep in their system anymore, so there's not that capacity to graze stubbles and reduce food. Uh, but certainly, the best thing we can do is, you know, if we do get summer rainfall and get germination, spray out those germinations because that takes lots of food out of the system for mice. Um, 
at the point where the residual foods at its lowest level is basically at we, as we sow the crop. If you've got spreaders that you can bolt onto the back of your cedars, that's the time to be doing it. Because like I say, you're burying a lot of that residual food in the act of sowing the crop. And at that point, you're actually able to take mice out of the system by baiting them before they have a chance to discover your freshly sown crop and start to smash it. Because once they get switched on to those freshly sown rows, they'll just go up the rows and pluck every seed out. So looking into prevention rather than cure, but how do we actually identify? We I've seen like those cards, 10 by 10 centimetres or whatever, and if that's bloody chewed out, um, to buggery, you actually yeah. that's yeah, yeah. the go time. Yeah, well, thank you. You're actually a better scientist than I am, Jack. So uh, there's a couple. There's a couple of things we can do. So in stubbles where there's a lot of other food around, yeah. I'm a real advocate of walking hundred meter long transects yeah. and count, counting all of the active burrows you see in a one meter long strip along hundred meters. So that means that you've surveyed hundred square meters. You've got to walk back to the ute, so you might as well go across 20 metres and one. walk it. Yeah, walk 100 metres back to the ute. Then you average up the number of burrows per 100 square metres, yeah, and multiply it up to burrows per hectare. Now, if you've only got one burrow per 100 square metres, that equates to 100 burrows a hectare. And if you then make the assumption that oh, maybe I've got a couple of mice per active burrow, then you're up at 200 mice per hectare. And if they're having six to 10 babies every 19 to 21 days, at 200 mice a hectare, you're not a long way away from a problem. So count those active burrows, get an indication of the level of activity. Put out some chew cards as well. If you're seeing you know, three, four, five chew cards along the line of 10 chew cards hit by mice, they're the times I'm starting to be concerned. Remember that at the point you're saying, oh, I'm seeing a few mice, but I don't think it's much of a problem you're probably only three weeks away from a problem. Yeah. So, so don't drop the ball on it. Uh, lots of farmers say, ah, oh, yeah, I'm saying a few, not much of a problem. In Northern New South Wales last year, they said that around their summer sorghum. And by the time they got back to their sorghum, it was decimated. Yeah. Yeah, I think like once you start seeing burrows, that's a bit of a panic right there. Um, however many are in that first sort of metre stretch of what you're walking through that 100 metre. But that's a great way of identifying it. For this episode, between yourself, Steve and Andrew, what would be the one piece of farm's advice you'd like farmers going into the summer season? Um, they've just finished harvest. How can we get involved um, and actually improve our productivity coming into next year? Yeah, look, that's a really good question, Jack. Um, I think, look, the advice that comes through from Steve and through the GRDC to growers has been, um, you know, fantastic in terms of the learning. I think in my own state of Victoria, unfortunately, we're probably well, uh, we've, we've learnt the task over the last probably decade, I suppose, of looking for mice. Uh, in WA, obviously, it's been a real learning curve over there for the farmers there. And Steve's done a lot of work there, presenting a, a number of uh, workshop events and meetings, trying to educate growers. I think, you know, generally speaking, Victoria, South Australia, New South Wales, the growers are really well educated in this area now in terms of 
knowing when and to start looking to bait. Um, we've been advocating through the National Mouse Management Group that they should bait behind the cedar. There is some work that's being undertaken by GRDC, which will come as a part of what we're doing with the training program eventually when that work is done, looking at various spreaders and the way that they interact with the bait itself going and being spread into the paddock. So, you know, keep watching this space because there's still continuing work and research work that's going to help to, uh, you know, mitigate where we get it wrong. Um, when the bait, um, you know, we, we get examples of over uh, the amount of feed on the ground uh, if there's another way of getting rid of it, obviously those that use livestock will use livestock such as ourselves to try and minimise that impact in paddocks. Um, we'll graze paddocks and we know from history that that definitely works um, where we can get rid of the food loads. The other thing that's really important and Steve touched on it as well, uh, at harvest here, we've got uh, magnetic trays that we put under the header and we're assessing the losses of our header. Uh, and not only that, um, not just for mice, but just for our own benefit. Um, it's been amazing actually uh, seeing something that we thought um, that we knew from just visually looking at the ground, uh, what we've actually learned by having something that's a bit easier to use. So, so I think again, you know, we keep looking at all those new uh, research opportunities that are being done by the likes of CSIRO and through the investments of growers ourselves through our grower levy program that we pay to the GRDC who invest on our behalf. Yeah. Uh, into the uh, various research aspects. So, yeah, I, I think, again, let's uh, be visual about the feed. We know that we're probably on the cusp of another mouse uh, plague, so let's be ready to do it. And uh, we'll have uh, the process to have the manufacturers with Zinc 50 available for growers right across Australia for this coming uh, 12 months. Yeah, I think, I think Andrew's absolutely right. I mean, an example from Western Australia is that there'll be $300 million worth of grain left on the ground in Western Australia this year, mm. you know, out, out the back of headers. And, and that's money that we'd like to see farmers putting in their pockets and, and not going to feed mice. Uh, it, it's really important. I, I guess the key messages for me is to, you know, and I'll say this a lot to farmers, I'm, supposed to, I'm surprised they haven't been run out of town yet, but you've got to get off your ass, get out of your you and go for a walk in your paddock to look for mice. You're yeah. not going to see them driving across um, and, and be prepared to bait. If you're seeing signs of activity, use the 50 gram per kilogram bait. It's really important because that means you're putting every grain is a lethal dose. You're not yeah. putting out 20,000 sublethal doses. It's really important. Absolutely. And that stat you just gave before 300 million, that's the best worst stat I've ever heard, I think. Yeah, it surprised me. I heard it from somewhere else just the other day and uh, made my hair stand on end. But you know, when I'm talking to farmers and, and we've done 30 presentations in Western Australia alone this year yeah. uh, to farming groups and, and I say, right, oh, who measures what comes out the back of your machine? I get a lot of farmers looking at the ground and kicking dust. And you, know, you, work, you guys work really, really hard to get the best crops you, you possibly can. You might as well just do that little bit extra and put all of them in the bin yeah absolutely well i think today's episode has just gone to show what we're doing to get that prevention and so that we don't see the peaks of what happened last year um pretty detrimental and especially next year is looking like a good cropping season with that moisture in the profile and how we go about it so anyone looking to get into this a little bit more you can go to grainproducers.com.au mouse bait stewardship and that's where you'll be able to find all the details so you can talk to the men behind the scenes Steve and Andrew, thank you very much for coming on this episode. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jack, and uh, all the best to listeners.
It is nearly Christmas time, the best time of year, especially if you finished Harvest this year. So for those that have listened right the way through this episode and even right the way through our episodes for 2022, we can't thank you enough and the support that we've garnered along the year. We'll have a bit of a roundout episode, as we said before, early next year, but thank you so much for listening to this episode and every other one, and we can't wait to get stuck in to 2023. Keep on farming. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.